You're listening to Alabama Tradition with Ryan Fowler and Martin Houston on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Alabama back out on the practice field today, full pads as they lead into the final few days as they prepare for the Miami Hurricanes. We're going to talk with Martin Houston. He's going to welcome him in here into the show in just a couple of minutes. We'll also uh, talk with William Barger, uh, one of Martin's teammates. He's going to join us coming up around 6.15, and we'll talk inside information with William Barger, Crimson Tide inside and a former player at the University of Alabama. We're also going to throw around Nick Saban comments. We'll interact uh, with with you as well. And uh, why don't we go to Martin Houston here, a former fullback, national champion winning fullback at the University of Alabama. The last time we played those Miami Hurricanes, uh, they were able to beat those guys down. Martin Houston, I hope your day is – oh, my bad. Oh, okay, my my bad, my bad. I'm sitting here welcoming Martin, and he's not there. Okay, so we'll get to Martin coming up in just a couple of minutes. He is ready, so uh, he did text me, so uh, there. So we'll get Martin here in a, in a couple of seconds. We'll welcome him into the show, and uh, we'll dive a little deeper, but we will talk with William Barger. Uh, Nick Saban finishing up practice just a couple of minutes ago, and we were watching uh, some of that uh, when you look at the final couple of t- competitions, uh, a couple of battles on the offensive line. We're going to talk about that, but uh, – Seems like uh, Bryce Young getting a lot of positive reaction and the leadership steps that he's been able to take. Hey, Martin, I think we got you now, man. I hope all is well, and uh, welcome into Alabama tradition. All is well, Ryan, and glad to be in with you, sir, on this beautiful Tuesday evening, well, not morning, it, evening. Yeah, it, it, a little better. I got You get, at least got warmed up. You get 13-hour head start and uh, starts in the morning, and uh, so we'll, we'll talk a little Alabama Crimson Tide football. We, we have... We're going to have your teammate, William Barger, is going to join us at 6.15, and he always awesome. provides a lot of insight. I always love to sit there and let him talk about offensive line. And, you know, if there is a concern, uh, Nick Saban had some critical things to say about the offensive line, and he said, well, we know what we can get from Emil Ikior. We know what we can get from Evan Neal. Uh, we're still learning exactly what's everything going to look like the rest and even uh, kind of labeled some competition at center, which kind of puts the responsibility uh, on – Chris Owens, which uh, we kind of know what he can give you, but uh, my understanding is he had a lot of snapping problems in the scrimmage on Saturday. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Uh, did he say who the competition was with at, at center? Uh, I mean, just assuming it would be Darian Dalcourt, but, I mean, that's just that's, a, yeah easy – I mean, that's yeah. just an assumption at this point. Yeah, that's the guy that, you know, uh, we were talking about on the Martin Houston show, when is he going to finally – break in and you know he's been a guy who to me he has some of that uh i call it the old school nasty that i labeled uh, um landon dickerson with uh dalcourt seems to have some of that uh in him so uh that that'll be good i don't wish any man to lose his job in terms of of um chris you know owens but also think you know if a man earns the right to 
take some reps, give them to him. Hey, Martin, uh, you know, one of the other things as we lead into this Miami uh, game is this defense and how special this defense is going to be. I made a crazy statement yesterday, and I made it, and I, I, I said it, and then I, I got to thinking about, you know, did I jump off the cliff too early? Did, did I should have backed off? Uh, but everything that we've heard about Will Anderson, I made the statement uh, that he has a chance to be one of the best players, if not the best player in college football. It just seems like the buzz around this young man uh, is off the charts with everything around practice. Well, well, Ryan, you know, the, he, he, if you watch his progression, he, um, Hank South joins me every Thursday. And, uh, when Will was in high school, he said, Martin, this is a guy who we don't have a lot of film on. He didn't do a lot of camps and stuff, but we believe he could be really, really special, uh, and believe that he'll be a five-star by the end. Uh, and what that tells me is he's a young guy that hadn't played a whole lot. And we saw that last year, Ryan, he just slowly got better and better and better. And so the worry you had was, is he going to have the sophomore slumps or not? And it appears uh, that he was motivated by being recognized as the Sean Alexander freshman of the year, you know, national player of the year versus demotivated. And if he's gotten better and taking that next step, I don't know if I'm ready to say best player in college football, but he's definitely – uh, has the potential to be one of the best defensive players uh, in the country. Uh, and I think the what adds to that, Ryan, is the guys around him. You, you, can't, you can't run away from him now. You know, um, when, when Saban talks about the defensive backs, the, uh, the cornerbacks and stuff, being able to fit the run and force the run, that means that – you can't run away from him to a weaker side. Uh, and, and we know what Chris Allen can do. So I think he may have opportunity to make even more plays this year. Well, and I keep hearing a lot of comments about him stepping up in the run support side of things. We know what he can do from an edge uh, standpoint of getting after the quarterback, but it seems like that may be with the biggest step that he's been able to take is on run support. Uh, and, and that just that seems to be the topic of conversation, becoming a complete outside linebacker. And it's been a while since we've had one of those playmaking type of linebackers that was also good against the run. Uh, you know, and I, I don't know that Saban has had a guy of this caliber uh, at that position, period. has. I mean, when you start thinking about the great outside uh, linebackers in the Nick Saban era, they're not the long, lean, lengthy guys who play in space as well as can play well against the run. They, they've they kind of either been one or the other where you had to have two guys uh, to produce that, whether it was a Ryan Anderson stopping the run or a um, uh, guy just the, the um, Tim. Williams. Tim. Yeah, Williams. William, uh, uh, Williams uh, coming off the edge as a specialty guy, but it seems that he seems to be the complete package. And if he produces Ryan like you expect him to, uh, I guess you, your ledge may be a little thicker or longer than than you think. It may not be as short a ledge as you think. Martin, you've played for a coach that uh, was considered a little hard nose. Uh, I would say. I think he was a guy that you know, had high expectations. I'm curious as a player when you hear Nick Saban 
um, make the comments about Billingsley. What did you read into that from a former player perspective? Uh, not a team player, not a good teammate. Um, a guy who uh, has all the talent in the world but is not willing um, to sacrifice um, personal uh, enjoyment for the betterment of the team. Um you know, and, and maybe he's read his press clippings a, a little too much and thinks it's more about him and what he's going to get versus versus the team. Great example I can give you, Ryan, is we had some kids the other night upset after the game was over, and it's a win. You know what I mean? And so when you see a kid upset after a win, what do you think? Wow, yeah. They're not happy for their team because they didn't get what they wanted out of it. Uh, and, and, and it sounds like that may be some of Billingsley. I don't know, uh, what it is, but whatever it is, it's pretty, I think it's a big deal. Well, you combine uh, what Nick Saban said the first time and you combine what he said the last time and you have to, I mean, it's pretty easy to connect some of those dots. And I, I think you made a great point. Yeah, I, I think so. And so hopefully for the young man, you know, he gets it right. But when he says it's up to him, uh, it means that, that the status hasn't changed. Uh, that there's still some some work to be done when he says it's up to the young man whether or not he gets you know back to that place where he was last year uh, and and you know what Ryan sometimes what makes it harder to get back to that place what do we say about Alabama uh, if you fool around and make a mistake and miss a rep that guy behind you is just waiting on his opportunity and. And, and, you know, Cameron Latouche made a sacrifice himself, came here as a highly recruited outside linebacker, went to tight end, has really had to learn the position over the last couple of years, and maybe maybe he's taken advantage of that opportunity. And maybe that's some of the angst, Ryan, because if you go back and look at spring game, if you go back and look at what was said during the spring, the result of the spring game, and revert result of the uh, first scrimmage, uh, and then the second scrimmage. Cameron Lutu seems to be a guy that Bryce Young uh, leans on and uses a lot. So maybe that's the other part for Billingsley as well. Is uh, maybe maybe it's not as easy for him just to step back in. Well, and and you know leaders are are players and Nick Saban verbiage that you want to emulate. Uh, when you listen to Bryce Young, first media availability, uh, Martin, I cannot think of a a player that was more impressive than what Bryce Young was the very first time that we spoke to him. I walked out going, eh, 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 eh. now we know, now we know. He combines the talent uh, and the leadership. It's a it's it's easy to follow or easier to follow a guy like that. Well, not only the way the composure, Ryan, I mean, the words. Sure. Oh, I came here because of high expectations and pressure. Um, so uh, you take a guy with that type of talent, that type of mentality, and that type of leadership, and you, you have a complete player. Um, you know, I know he hadn't led the team out uh, on a regular season yet, but up until this point, he's done everything you would want. Uh, in the quarterback position. 
Martin, we, we're going to talk to William Barcher coming up in just a couple of minutes. Uh, one of Martin's former teammates played offensive line here, and we're going to get some insight for him. We're going to pick his brain about Alabama. If you've never heard William talk Alabama football, do not miss it. It's coming up here in just a couple of minutes right here on Alabama tradition, the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Alabama football countdown clock is driven by Crawford Insurance, Tuscaloosa's low-cost auto insurer. Call 752-6489 for a free quote today. There are, there are, there are 11 days until Alabama football. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Alabama sports, and it's brought to you by Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider for Alabama athletics. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Following Saturday's scrimmage, Alabama football head coach Nick Saban addressed what he's seen so far from the quarterback position. We're, we're trying to work all three guys and see you know, how they develop. Uh, I think Bryce has, you know, did okay today. Um, you know, I think we played better around him today. Uh, so he had more opportunities to, to, to make plays and made some really good plays. Uh, I think the offense scored the first, you know, two, three, four times they had the ball in game-like situations, which was really good. And, you know, there's obviously things that we have to clean up. I'll have more in a moment. You hear a lot today about the Bama factor. Well, what exactly is it? It's a saying that Coach Saban uses constantly. It's actually what the program is built on. Commitment, discipline, effort, toughness, and pride. Well, at Dex Imaging, we believe in these same principles. To be the very best we can be, day in and day out. So for all of your business office solutions, put Dex Imaging to work for you. Dex Imaging, the official copier and printer provider of Alabama Athletics. Coach Saban also shared thoughts on Alabama's wide receivers, led by John Mechie III. Been trying to manage, you know, Mech through. He's coming off of a couple, you know, surgeries. Uh, coming back, he's been played really well when he's had the opportunity. He made some big plays today, and you know, Slade's doing good. JoJo Earl's doing good. A couple of the fresh, other freshman guys are, you know, coming along. I think it's going to be a bit of a work in progress with this group, but I do think we have enough talent there to have some really good players that can play fast and be explosive. Crimson Tide Today is brought to you by Dex Imaging. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. You are listening to Alabama Tradition with Martin Houston and Ryan Fowler. Your connection to Tuscaloosa and the University of Alabama Athletics on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. into Alabama tradition, the past, present, and future of the Alabama Crimson Tide. And uh, we are talking here with Martin Houston on the other side of the glass and also uh, William Barger. When you look at uh, the University of Alabama, national champion winner, and uh, Martin's giving me the head shake. Is 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 he not able to hear me? Uh, okay, okay, I got you, I got you. I think, uh, I think we got him back uh, there. So we're going to welcome in William Barger 
uh, into this conversation. And, uh, William, I hope the uh, Tuesday afternoon is going great for you. Welcome in with Martin and Ryan. Hey, Ryan. How you doing, man? I'm great. Great, great, man! I'm I'm excited to talk with you, and uh, Martin is here as well, and uh, we're going to talk a little football. Oh, you got you got hee haw with you? I didn't say that. <laughs> What's up, William? Hey, buddy, how are you? I didn't know you were going to be on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, See, y'all can I, get I, by I, with know, saying give, stuff I like give, that. I give, hey, William, William, Ryan, and I co-host the show, but you know he's a big billing guy. You know the Town Square Media. Uh, employee of the month and and all of that so uh <laughs> it's uh it's, it's uh well, that, it's good to be on with you <laughs> william they've been aggravating you too, man. a little bit of aggravation uh <laughs> I, I, I after like 11 years here changing the paper towels yesterday gets me employee of the month today so i changed the paper towels in the bathroom put fresh soap in hand sanitizer I do it all around here. I'm, I'm a uh, uh, jack of all trades, well, master guess, of none. I, I guess you've got to do what you've got to do to fund all those cruises you go on, Ryan. <laughs> well, I'm not. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Get him, William. Uh, <laughs> but hey, I want to talk a little. Uh, I know Martin's got some questions. I've got some questions. Uh, let me just go into to day number eighteen. We've had eighteen practices so far. Uh, what's been your evaluation of this Alabama football team so far? You know, I, I think it's been a, a great fall camp. I mean, the you know the fact that I think at least up until today, um, you know they've they've been you know, they've managed to escape fall camp without any significant or serious injury. So that's the you know the first positive. You know, and I think the the second thing is they've got a just an overabundance of talent. Um, you know, at every level um, of both the offense, the defense, and the special teams. So, you know, I think all the, the pieces of the puzzle are there in place on campus. I think the only, you know, thing that, that I have heard in the last couple of weeks that kind of gives me a little bit of pause as, a, as an Alabama fan is, you know, the, the comment that Coach Saban made over the weekend that, you know, there might be a couple of jokers in that locker room that, you know, haven't bought in and, and you know, aren't really – taking all those necessary steps that you have to play as a Nick Saban Alabama football player to, you know, keep that process moving forward. Um, you know, you, you hope it's, you know, you know, less than five, more, maybe more than one, but, but I do think that's the only concerning thing that I've heard about. And, and that's coming off of the heels of, you know, uh, the 2020 team where you could tell from, um, you know, the first game that there, there had been a complete buy-in by that whole team with some, some great leadership. Martin, jump in here. Yeah, uh, William, you know, speaking of that, um, you know, is that something at this point in the season, you know, has it set itself up or can it be corrected? Uh, and if so, is, is that why you see Coach Saban taking such a strong stance uh, with Jaleel Billingsley? You know, I mean, I, Martin, I think it, it probably boils down to just how many players it is. I mean, if it's just, you know, Jabil uh, Billingsley, um, you know, albeit he was probably going to have a, a big role on this team this year, and it remains to be seen, I, I still think he probably is. Uh, he's a very talented young man and, and could really, you know, kind of bring another facet to the offense this year. 
you know, when you're, you're breaking in, you know, several new players in the offensive line, several players at the wide receiver position, it looks like it's going to be, um, you know, kind of running back by committee um, to, to a certain extent this season, and, you know, plus a, a quarterback that's never started, you know, a game in the SEC, albeit he's very talented. Um, but, you know, it seems like he's very pleased with, um, you know, the, the, the continuity and the chemistry. I think, you know, Toa Toa has kind of assumed a leadership role there, um, you know, at the inside linebacker spot next to Christian Harris. And he's, he's brought some, you know, veteran leadership despite being a transfer player. And, you know, you just don't hear, you know, the comments. I mean, I, I think just from, an outsider looking in and trying to, you know, read and decipher the, you know, the press conferences that I read and, and listen to on the radio. Um, you know, it seems to me that, you know, he's still a little unsure about the, the chemistry and the buy-in. And, you know, I think he's a little anxious about, you know, maybe trying to figure out or find the five best guys to put on that offensive line. Uh, before they play Miami in, in a week and a half. Well, that was going to be my question about the offensive line. What do you feel good about this offensive line, or where do you feel good? And then what is your biggest question surrounding that group? Well, I mean, I, I think the the sooner they can put the best five out there on the field together and practice, um, hopefully it'll be you know tomorrow or the next day versus next week, because it does take you know some time and a lot of reps for those five guys to not only develop, you know, continuity and chemistry, but the most important thing is communication. And, uh, you know, I, I, I still think there's some, you know, they, they've, I'd, I'd say if you had to look at it by positions, you know, they've probably got more guys dinged up on the offensive line right now um, than, than any other position group. You just don't know how, dinged up they are with, you know, how limited the information flow is. I mean, you know, uh, Kendall Randolph's got a, you know, a, a lower leg injury. Dam- uh, Damian Dalcourt, Darian Dalcourt, excuse me, is dinged up. Uh, you know, Evan Neal's missed a little bit of time, which I certainly don't worry about him. But, um, you know, I, I think that, and, you know, like in, in Randolph's situation, I think that might be a an addition by subtraction situation because, you know, I was kind of expecting J.C. Latham to uh, win that right tackle job uh, anyway. So, you know, that's not so much concerning. I, I think probably the uh, the availability of Emil Ikior is probably the one that concerns me the most. Speaking with William Barger, uh, William, let me ask you a question regarding Kendall Randolph because, you know, when, when you and I played, you know, if you had 25 guys, 20 of them were Alabama native kids. Um, now it's the reverse of that. Do you do you think – because I, I think we look at uh, Randolph and we go, oh, my God, is, is he going to be the guy? Because we don't give him much love in the fact that he's, he's you know, the potential starter. He, it's almost like people feel bad because he, he is going to be the starter. So is it one of two things? Is it the fact that he's a local kid, they don't get the same love and respect as the national recruits, or is it because he just has been moved around, he's a jack-of-all-trades, and you're just not quite sure uh, he's good enough to play at that that tackle position? 
Well, I mean, just just to be totally honest with you, Martin, I mean, I, I personally expected J.C. Latham to be to, to become the starting right tackle sometime between the start of fall camp and October 1st. Let's just put a right. timeline on it. He, he, let me interrupt you good. right there. Let me interrupt you right there. But is that because of the national, you know, hype that comes with the J.C. Latham? I know he's a really talented kid. But is it the hype around it? And that's I, I'm try, I'm I'm debating with myself. So I'm talking to the next player, trying to figure out: Am I doing the same thing? Because I I'm like you. I thought J.C. Latham. Uh, I expect him or Brockermeyer to come in and us not be worrying about that right position. But every time we hear it, it's always Randolph. And Saban said he's key to the development of this offensive line. And I'm trying to figure out why that doesn't excite me if Saban believes that. Well, I mean, Martin, if you look at it, just, you know, because I, I kind of look at it, I guess, a little bit differently from being a former offensive lineman. But, you know, I, I've never viewed Kendall Randolph as a potential first-round draft pick as an offensive line prospect. Um, you know, he just doesn't have the body of work for that. And, and, and part of that is, you know, they've, they've asked him to be a utility player. I mean, he's bounced around all over the place. And, you know, last year he was the – um, you know, the blocking inline tight end because Alabama just didn't really have, you know, the tight end room where they had a, a, you know, a tight end that could do all the things necessary, you know, at that position. You know, uh, Jalil Billingsley is kind of a hybrid H-back, you know, hybrid wide receiver. Um, you know, he's certainly not somebody that you want to line up, and this is going to take you back to 1992. But, you know, right. Jaleel Billingsley is not the guy you want playing tight end if you want to seal the corner um, right. against a, a 280-pound defensive end on toss 48. That's you know, that, right. that's kind of what Kendall Randolph, you know, was in there for. Um, but and I don't think this is a situation where, where we're sitting here being critical of, of Kendall Randolph. Um, you know, I think he kind of came out of high school up in Huntsville is, is, is kind of a, you know, he was a football player, a basketball player, and, you know, was kind of a jack of all trades. And, and because of, you know, the juggernaut that he decided to go to college and play football for, you know, he, he's never really stayed at one position. I mean, he's been an offensive guard. He's, you know, been a right tackle. I've seen him work at left tackle before, you know, in a scrimmage. I don't necessarily think this is a, you know, let's let's sit here and be critical of Kendall Randolph um, and overly complimentary to J.C. Latham, but I, I think you're talking about apples and oranges here. I mean, this J.C. Latham is a guy that's, you know, he's not Jonah Williams. He's not Jedrick Wills. You know, he, he's not a guy that maybe showed up on campus that's ready to start um, you know, one, you know, before spring practice ends as an early enrollee, but you know, he's got that length and that wingspan and, um, you know, he's got all the, I mean, I'll say this. I mean, JC Latham came to Alabama a lot more advanced than Tommy Brockermeyer did that. That's a guy that I think a lot of Alabama fans just read too much into the recruiting write-ups about that kid. Um, he, he had a lot of stuff that he needed to work on before he ever, you know, saw the field in Tuscaloosa. I mean, he's got to get bigger, stronger. He's got to work on his – he's got to become a knee bender versus a back bender. Um, so, 
you know, even though Tommy Brockermeyer was rated by some people a lot higher, if you look at that offensive line class that they signed last February, J.C. Latham was the guy that, you know, most people pegged as the guy that was going to see, uh, see the field first. Let me, let me, hey, Ryan, let me follow. Sure. I guess the question then becomes, because like you said, you look at J.C. Latham, he looks the part. And 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 he very oh, yeah. well he's made. He's as pretty Jesus. as they come, <laughs> huh? I said he's as pretty as they come. Yeah, and so so I guess the question, because uh, I think somewhere down the road this season, he he will be that will be his spot, or maybe Damian George or one of those other guys. But here's the question: Can we win uh, if Randolph, Ekior, Owens, uh, Cohen? And Neil, if that's the five we run out there with, can we do everything in our playbook that we need to do uh, from a pass run standpoint? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, I think you know, look, as Alabama fans, this is how I think everybody needs to look at this season realistically. You know, you're, you're gonna you're, you're gonna see a decrease in the points per game that are that's going to be scored. I mean, that's just you know, the nuts and bolts of it. I mean, there's no Mac Jones. There's no Devonta Smith. Um, you know, there's no J- a healthy Jalen Waddle. Um, you know, I-, I think running back, it's not going to be the Najee Harris show this year. I think it's, you know, I think Brian Robinson's going to be the starter, but I think running back's going to be more running back by committee this year. But to answer your question, and I forgot about the part um, on, on uh, Randolph being an Alabama guy, um, I, I don't think it's, you know, I, I think, you know, once Nick Saban took the job in 2007, um, that, the, that, that used to be like when, when you and I, Martin, were in school, you know, that was kind of Coach Stallings and Randy Ross's philosophy. They wanted to go out and sign, you know, 15 or 20 guys from the state of Alabama um, and, and, and they thought, you know, everybody would fall on their sword because they were local Alabama guys that would live or die, you know, with the Crimson Tide. You know, once Nick Saban took that head coaching job, um, you know, it, it was more of a national recruiting footprint. And, and I think that, you know, the in-state kid, I mean, you know, they, they still sign, you know, all the best kids from the state of Alabama that they, they can on an annual basis, but because of the brand that they've built with the championships and all the players they put in the NFL, you know, that they're afforded the luxury that they can go coast to coast and go get the best players. Now, in August of 2021, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think J.C. Latham is the better player than Kendall Randolph. But if you look at the career track that Kendall Randolph has had in Tuscaloosa, versus the ceiling and the upside that, say, J.C. Latham has, you know, I can't tell you whether it's, you know, uh, the, the, the Miami game and the Mercer game and then they have to go face Florida. I, I can't sit here and tell you, honestly, that I don't know if J.C. Latham's not going to be the better right tackle when they go play Florida. I mean, when you go out there day in and day out for two or three weeks and you know, take all your reps versus Will uh, Will Anderson and Chris Allen, you're going to get good in a hurry because uh, you're probably not going <laughs> to face a better pass rushing tandem the rest of the season. Right. Well, and that's perfect segue when you look at Will Anderson. It seems like every update that I get from behind the scenes, 
Uh, I've even asked the guy to quit sending me updates about Will Anderson. It just seems like he's having a great camp and uh, really becoming a complete outside linebacker. Well, you know, we say this, Ryan. I mean, you know, as good as Will Anderson was last year as a true freshman, you know, with the landscape of college football with offenses right now, you know, if this was 10 years ago, and the majority of the SEC schools were still playing a pro-style offense, I'd, I'd be willing to make you a strong wager that Will Anderson would have had 15 sacks as a true freshman. Um, that, that's almost impossible now because of how quickly the quarterbacks get rid of the football, you know, in these you know, hurry-up, no-huddle spread offenses, you know, the bubble screens and um, you know, all the quick passes, the zone reads and stuff. Um, but, you know, Will Anderson's that good. And I think what, what would scare me if I was an opposing defensive coordinator for another school that has to try and scheme against Will Anderson in 2021 is when you see the strength and conditioning numbers that, that Dr. Matt Rea put out a couple weeks ago where that cat is 38% better than he was this time last year. And that, that to me, is kind of depressing and exciting in the same time because I can promise you if Scott Cochran was still the strength and conditioning coach at Alabama, what you saw last year from Will Anderson, which was a pretty good product, that's what you would have saw for the next two years. But if I'm an opposing defensive coordinator and I see that Will Anderson has, has, has improved his explosiveness and his velocity training by 38% over what he was this time last August, I don't sleep at night. Hey, William, and I, I, I kind of tag off of that. Uh, is that also a reason why you see Nick Saban saying that he, he now believes that uh, he can be the end man uh, with his hand in the dirt uh, because of that increase? Because – the kid last year, uh, you know, could you imagine him going against Evan Neal consistently? Uh, he just wouldn't have had the power and the speed and, as they say, the velocity. But with that increase, uh, do you think that's why Nick Saban is saying that not only can this kid play, you know, linebacker in our normal sets, he's also good enough now to be our end man line on the line? Yeah, and, you know, Martin, I, I, I totally agree with that. And there again, I mean – you know, going up against a offensive tackle that's six seven, uh, <laughs> three hundred and fifty pounds that can do a split forty eight inch box jump. Um, you know, it's it's kind of like the old you know cliche. It, it, you know, and that's what it is. Iron sharpens iron. But yeah, I mean, Evan Neal, J.C. Latham, Kendall Randolph, Will Anderson, Chris Allen, Drew Sanders. They're all going to get better. Um, you know, I saw a, a, a tweet from Dr. Ray earlier this week where he, he was talking to an NFL scout that had been at practice during fall camp, and, you know, the guy was just, you know, you know, twisted in the mind. He said, no wonder, you know, this program pumps out so many elite NFL prospects on an annual basis. And, you know, this is some scary territory. You know, Evan Neal, you know, as long as he doesn't get hurt or, you know, convicted of murder or whatever, he's going to be the fourth Alabama offensive lineman in a row 
in, in the last four NFL drafts to go in the first round. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's unheard of. I mean, I know Texas A&M did it, you know, from, I think, 2013 to 2016. They had four guys, you know, go, go that route. And, and, you know, that's when Johnny Menzel and Kevin Sumlin was roaming the sideline. But that's, that's rare air right there. And, you know, when you sign four or five guys, and this just, you know, goes, goes back to, you know, Nick Saban's greatness, you know, when you sign four or five guys at the offensive line spot on an annual basis that you think have, you know, first-round draft pick ability at that position, those are the results you get. William, this will be my final question. If Martin has anything else, uh, feel free to jump in here. But, uh, you know, back in 1992, leading into that Sugar Bowl game, uh, Miami did a lot of talking. Uh, going into this game, I thought, okay, I'm going to be able to get a lot of guys on to talk about the dynasty that Miami was able to create in Alabama. Uh, everybody has said no. Uh, I can't even get anybody to talk. Um, I mean, you guys really shut them up for about 30 years, man. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if I've ever told you this story before, Ryan. I, I, I know Martin's never heard it, but um, after that game, um, I was at Pat O'Brien's and – you know, a guy that's a, a fairly successful head coach in college football uh, at Oregon right now, and Mario Cristobal came idling up to me at the bar. And, uh, you know, he was bitching and complaining, and I was like, dude, what's your problem? I mean, you know, y'all y'all won, you know, several national championships. Let somebody else, you know, have a little bit of glory. And he's like, no, nah, man, that's, that's not what I'm so upset about. He goes, and I said, well, what are you upset about? He goes, I just got humiliated for three hours on national television. I said, well, how'd you get humiliated? He goes, man, I, I can't block Eric Curry or John Cope. And I said, well, guess what, buddy? You're barking up the wrong tree. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, hell, you got humiliated for once in your life for three hours. I get treated like that for three hours every day, five days a week at practice. <laughs> hey, uh, we, you'll, you'll love this. Uh, I'm coaching over at Northridge High School with Coach Copeland, and he and I were just just talking about that a little bit about uh, you know just how good because uh, people question whether our offense could play, and I I told him I said we we three and a half yards to these teams to death today, uh, and I said and the reason people don't understand how good we were it was during the week that. If I if I got our plays executed during the week, there was no worry about whether we were going to execute on Saturday. And, you know, I mean, I was playing against the best guys at their respective positions, you know, uh, in the country. So uh, totally, and that's kind of what I, I went and read that um, that tweet you were talking about uh, that that NFL scout said uh, this week to Dr. Ray. Never seen anything like Alabama's practices, the speed, the effort. And the competition is no wonder this place spits out NFL studs every year. It's no accident. Future first rounds, picks battling every day in practice, making each other better. So uh, that 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 kind of goes hey, with the story you just hey, told. Hey, Martin, you can you, you know and this this speaks to both just how good Cope was, and and, hmm. and you know dur- during our tenure, you know Coach Dubos was the best defensive line coach in college football. Yes. 
Yeah, but he was. I'll, I'll never forget the, the the first spring that he showed up from junior college. I mean, I, I could go up against John Copeland and do whatever the hell I wanted to with him. After that spring and fall camp, uh, you know, after Coach Dubose had gotten a hold of him, in fact, I was like first in line, like, yeah, I'll, I'll go against Copeland. And uh, <laughs> after the first spring and the fall camp, uh, when we would go do our, our one-on-one stuff with the D-line every day, um, you know, after, you know, Dubose had worked his magic, and they'd be like, hey, Barger, you and Cope, I'm like, hey, man, there's something wrong with my helmet. You're going to have to get somebody else. I can't go. <laughs> I know the feeling. I love it when you guys tell you know, me. It, 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 it only took Coach Dubose six or nine months to, you know, turn that guy. You know, and I'm not being critical of Cope. He's one of my favorite, you know, former teammates. But, you know, when he first showed up, I mean, it was raw. Um, you know, he hadn't been developed, and it didn't take Coach Dubose. It was <laughs> less than 12 months to turn him into a first-round draft pick. I mean, he, he was – you know, because the, the thing, in my opinion, and this isn't a, a, a slam on Eric Curry. I mean, Christ, Eric Curry played safety in high school. But, you know, Eric was a pure edge rusher. You know, and if you slid Eric down inside where that space is confined, if if you stopped Curry's first move, he was done. But it was a different story with Cope. You know, he could run your run you over or run around you, and you never knew which trick he was going to pull out of his toolbox on any given rep. He was just a different cat. He would um, be more dominant today than he was in '92, I think. Yes. Yes. I, I would say, um, you know, the, the, the one guy that I've seen in the Nick Saban era that reminded me the most of, of Cope was Quentin Williams. Could play every position along the defensive line yep. and play it very effectively. Yep. Hey, William, we've got to get to break. Uh, look up, and you and I and Martin have been talking for 25 minutes. I greatly appreciate the conversation. Uh, Crimson Tide insider, former player at the University of Alabama. William, thank you again for sharing uh, some stories and some insight around the Crimson Tide. We appreciate the conversation. Hey, I enjoyed it, guys. I'm probably going to go to bed tonight and have nightmares of John Copeland, so that's y'all's fault. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry about that. <laughs> enjoyed it. See y'all. Thank you. Thank enjoyed you. It. Uh, William Barger just knocking it out of the park. We will clean up the loose ends next. T-Town Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. Has the very Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sizzling summer afternoon, a good supply of sunshine. Tuscaloosa's high 96. For tonight, the sky clear, the low at 75. Tomorrow, partly to mostly sunny, a small chance of an afternoon thunderstorm, the high at 94. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 93 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The host of the game, Ryan Fowler, and the host of the Martin Houston Show, Martin Houston, have combined to offer a show filled with in-depth analysis of Alabama football and more. Alabama Tradition broadcasts live on Tide 100.9 every Tuesday from 6 to 7 p.m. and is available live and on playback on numerous affiliates around the Southeast. Check out alabamatradition.com for a list of affiliates as well as other great content.
All right, so we're about 11 days away from Alabama and Miami. And, Martin, I, I want to get some uh, some predictions in here for just a couple of minutes. Uh, last year, Najee Harris ran the football 251 times, 1,466 yards, 26 touchdowns. You know, if, if Devontae Smith doesn't have the season that, that he had with uh, the success, you know, Najee Harris would have probably won the Heisman. I mean, it's just, just yeah. that simple. He had as good a season as any running back Alabama's ever had and as good a season as any of the two guys that's won the Heisman. Um, he just have and, – and, and actually, Ryan, if you think about it, he did that while you had um, a Heisman Trophy winner at wide receiver, a Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback, and, uh, and then, of course, uh, we know he split time with Waddle when he was healthy as well, so – and Matchy didn't have a bad season, so he did it. He did it in a time when uh, you're supposed to be pass happy. He still uh, ha- had a great season for a running back. So, Martin, when you look, do you think this year it will be more evened out that there'll be true one, two, three punch, one, two punch, or do you think Brian, like at the end of the season, do you think Robinson will have a significant more carries because he had 91 last year so that was the gap 251 and 91 or do you think it will be more uh, evenly distributed it would definitely be more evenly distributed than last year but i still think brian may end up being a guy um that that gets you know a line share of the, the carries uh if he's able to produce and i think he's, you're going to find that he's a weapon in the past game as well so uh not naji type um numbers but more along the line of when you had you know um ingram you know and lacy and richardson that type of scenario um before mark went on to run make his husband run i i say all that i'm talking to myself because i need to be cautious about this because first scrimmage we hear a lot about trey sanders second scrimmage jace mcclellan and i have to remind myself Nick Saban already knows what Brian Robinson is capable of. Not that he doesn't need the reps, but you need to find out who your true number two is more than you need to find out whether Brian Robinson could tote the rock, and you want to save uh, some of those carries for the season. So you don't want to take him pounding you know, with 18 straight practices, and, and, and that's what I kind of threw that in there. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't read that. That means that Brian's not playing well. Sure. I just think that means that uh, Jason – and Trey are out for Brian's job. I mean, I don't think Brian can relax and not produce and, and hold on to his role. So, I mean, he's going to have to play to keep those guys uh, off the field. And as the season goes, uh, I don't think it'll be Brian's inability to perform as much as those guys' ability to perform at a high level. Man, this is so much fun. We started at 248, and we're down to 11 days. I know you have a lot of coverage tomorrow morning, and uh, it's always fun to uh, to get William's opinion. Man, I thought he knocked it out of the park. I mean, I thought he cleaned the bases uh, just with his insight, and, you know, pretty good for an offensive lineman. Yeah, he does a, does a great job. <laughs> I'm just taking uh, – I, I love offensive linemen, so I, I, we yeah. appreciate those guys. They, uh, it's It's fun to pick their brain. Yeah, and I thought he he gave a really good explanation of why we haven't heard as much about you know Brockemeyer 
and the things he needed to work on not being as polished uh, as as we thought he was coming in. And then also you have, uh, you know, the uh, locker room thing. I thought his concern, Ryan, about the locker room and the buy-in was, was telling as well. Hey, I'll save you uh, 30 minutes of your time. Don't go watch the Alliance press conference. Uh, those guys talked for like 40 minutes. There was nothing that came out of it, it other than the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the ACC are forming together. Uh, they don't even. I mean, it, it is. Don't Pick waste your time. Say it. Say it again, Jacob. Pick me conference. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Look at me conference. Hey, hey, look, look, look. I'm here. Hey, it's. So don't waste your time, Houston. Are you 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 you're, you're telling me they're trying to they're, the the three the. <laughs> Well, they, three of the conferences are going to align to try to take down the yes, SEC. Yeah, well, and, and none of them was brave enough to say what you just said. None of them. None of them. So they didn't want to say here's, it. Here's the thing, Ryan. Doesn't the fact that you're forming an alliance it mean that you've admitted that SEC is king? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Great I mean, point. Hey, Houston, i got to get out of here, man. i got like five seconds. All right, uh, be good. Uh, Hillcrest Huddle coming up in a couple of minutes. That's Alabama tradition. Good night, T-Tim. <laughs>